Welcome to Box Out Banter. Are we real? I'm not entirely sure. This I'm is a Mr. podcast burner account. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chris Okamura. This is Jordan Christmas. Uh, what's going on, Jordan? How you doing? Um, you know, the times we record this podcast is it's the it's the weird odd time, right? Because like the way our schedules work, we're recording around four four thirty on Mondays, and you know. It's right before the slate of NBA games start or like right in the middle of the first quarter, of the first slate of NBA games. And then it's like just before there, just before the chance that crazy shit will happen heading into the night. And um, yeah, that happened last Monday, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So for anyone that doesn't know, I, everybody I has how... to know. It. I told my non-basketball friends about this. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> I told my wife, I told my wife about it. I told like everyone that I could about this thing. And it's so funny to think about, like, Britain doesn't know about the, the saga of Vivian. <laughs> this was longer than the Frieza was, saga in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> it really was. And it's such an interesting saga to, like, think about. And and it's so I don't know. I'm not super into other NBA teams, Twitters. Like, obviously, I'm a Laker fan. So Laker Twitter is like my home and like where I live. And I know so many people in Laker Twitter. Mm. But I, like is Sixers Twitter like this? Like, do they have like a familial bond like this? No. Uh, so Sixers Twitter, I would describe it as sometimes there could be a giant civil war amongst each other, and you know how Philly fans get—we're passionate, super passionate. Sure. We argue about stuff. But at the end of the day, if somebody in Sixers Twitter—and I imagine this is like this for other fan bases Twitters—whoever um, you know, if there's a prominent member of you know, say Sixers Twitter um getting attacked or something like that we got we got they got their back right we got each right. other's back and i that's the same for lakers twitter but never have i seen any crazy shit like this and also <laughs> you, also it just realize you just realize how big the lakers fan base is because they they are probably the most recognizable fan base fan or team in the country and therefore they have a lot of fans and so i imagine the demographic is kind of the same on twitter where a yeah. lot of nba twitter people are probably laker fans and so this was like i'm not too into other teams twitters too except i hate jazz twitter um they're <laughs> they're insufferable um <laughs> the Milwaukee, jazz slander continues <laughs> the jazz slander continues mostly it's their fans um just want to be clear and somewhat the team but also bucks twitter and raptors twitter are really feisty and can get annoying sometimes but i imagine all twitter fan bases get annoying to the opposite side right but this sure. my god dude <laughs> so I, should, yeah, should, I, should i should i so should i uh, uh you know, inform the listener what happened. Or, so you, so, you, so, infor you inform and I'll fill in gaps to wherever you're missing. Okay. So I'm just going to tell this story from my perspective. So Sunday night, last Sunday, uh, not yesterday, but the previous Sunday, you know, I get off work around 3 a.m. Um, I go to bed. I'm uh, scrolling through my Twitter and I see a tweet, you know, that basically says, um, you, you know, prominent member of Lakers Twitter missing. Vivian Flores is missing. Um, need, and is obviously from this dude named Josh. And Josh listed, you know, everything describing her. Um, she, Vivian has like 
15 and a half thousand followers on Lakers Twitter. Like, I guess she blew up over the last year over on Lakers Twitter because she wasn't really known yeah. prior to that. Um, but basically, Josh. Ret- I'm sorry. She had some really good takes um, that yeah. like got her pretty prominent. And then she was on a couple of podcasts. Like she was on podcasts with Josh. Yeah. So, so it gave her a lot of credibility. Josh Toussaint. And it's kind of weird because I actually on hashtag basketball, I used to blog with Josh and, you know, we followed each other on my old Twitter account, had interaction, a lot of interactions. Seems like a good dude. Although sometimes uh, I, like with everybody else, I don't exactly agree with all their basketball takes, but he's a, he's a smart dude, you know, um, but uh, I saw him retweet that Vivian was missing. Obviously, it caught fire quickly. I think O'Shea Jackson Jr., Ice Cube's son, a big Lakers fan, he retweeted it. A bunch of people started retweeting well, he was, it. He was going around like O'Shea. O'Shea was like going around looking for it too. Uh, yeah. They even got like they even got like Staples Center security involved too. Yeah, trying to yeah. look for it. And so Monday, Monday morning comes. I wake up around eleven or. 10 or 11 because I want to see if you know they find her I didn't retweet it or anything just because I'm iffy about that stuff in general um but it seems like everybody was looking for her am I correct uh, they went they had yeah. a kind of a search party and then yeah and it was it was a time it was a I will say like this started out as a very like cool thing for Lakers Twitter because again like we as Laker fans, like, you know, we can't, it's something that, you know, we, as a fan base, you come together to like find one of your own. Right. And it's a yeah. very like proud thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I will say that like Lakers Twitter was very proud that like, cool. We've like come together as a, as a community to like find one of our own. Right. Yeah, absolutely. A bunch of fan bases, fan base Twitters, you, whenever they put together events and stuff and people meet in real life and all that stuff. And you see it all over Twitter. It's heartwarming. Um, it's really a community sense, uh, a community feel, right? And so the, everybody went looking for her. And then like a few hours later, Josh said that Vivian was found. And then I didn't know how it happened. But at some point later on in the day, um, people started questioning whether Vivian existed. I know it's Kingsborough, which is another character in this saga. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's Kings, <laughs> it, 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 this account name. It's Kingsborough. I don't know his real name. I know he hosts. We call a, him Big King. Yeah, um, I know he. Oh, I know he hosts a podcast with Jason Maples, who is uh right a rising NBA Twitter personality, part of Blue Wire. Uh, with a podcast, they host a podcast together that's on Blue Wire called Temple of Hoops. But uh, it's Kingsborough said basically that this chick has been catfishing me uh right and so apparently they were kind of in a relationship or whatever and so everybody twitter detectives got to work they opened up the file books they pulled out the file cabinets looking through all the files looking at all of vivian's pictures really terrible photoshopping you're a photoshop expert i I, i'm just wondering from your perspective when you're seeing these pictures and you see how badly photoshopped they are I'm just wondering what you're thinking because <laughs> you're just like, because to me it was like, so, holy shit, <sighs> this is obvious, right? <laughs> so I obviously I'd known of Vivian and I've seen her before and I've even interacted with her on Twitter before. And I looking at these again, I now feel like an idiot, but <laughs> it, it's one of those things of like, I'm not looking for, I don't, I, you never go into a situation. Never, yeah. Looking, for this stuff, right? Right, right. So for me, I'm just like, oh yeah, like she played basketball overseas and like, you know, all this stuff. So then 
Yeah, we start to play basketball overseas. Well, (laughs) the the funniest part to me is there's a there's a badly photoshopped picture for playing overseas, and the back of her jersey just says Vivian. Yeah, no, like Like she's some big (laughs) like soccer star from like Brazil or so. You know how like those overseas soccer players they have the first name on their back, Pele, or like Yao. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And uh, basically, everybody started finding out that this person might not be real and so the funny part of this is this is why kevin duran is the fucking twitter goat i don't care what anybody says um it's it's kingsborough decided or him and a bunch of other nba twitter people decided to host this twitter space which is a feature on the twitter app now it's kind of like snapchat stories and it's a basically clubhouse clubhouse. yes exactly and so it's kingsborough it felt like a trial (laughs) It felt like a trial. He took the stand and he basically was like, yeah, I got fooled, blah, blah, blah. And Kevin Durant, and he probably didn't mean to roast this guy, but because he's Kevin Durant and he is asking these questions that you would never thought you would hear an athlete ask, everybody was like, oh, my God, Kevin Durant is grilling this dude. He was just like, so wait, at what point did you like it's Kingsbro was saying like uh, he tried to FaceTime her, the usual catfish fish it's the story you've heard a million times yes yeah, the story you've heard exactly it's the story you've heard a million times and kevin durant was basically like well at what point did you did it start clicking for you have you not gotten any in a while and it, it was just like <laughs> oh my god kevin durant is in this fucking twitter space right now talking to a bunch of people in, in, trying to get to the bottom of this crazy story and so it just spiraled out of control. And so now people started assuming it was Josh running the account, which would have been crazy because Josh and Vivian ho- co-hosted three episodes on a Lakers podcast. Then they started demodulate, demodulating and breaking down Vivian's voice, like de-pitching it and all that stuff, the Adobe tricks. And it sounded like a man. And now there was, and then there was this theory that it might have been Josh's other friend Walid, who is kind of a side character in this saga, but not really. It was just a it's a talking point. <laughs> and it it's just it's one of the wildest stories I've ever heard. I was tracking this all night and it was like We were both tracking it all night. Yeah, and mostly I was tracking it for the jokes, but also I wanted to see who, you know, was behind the Vivian account, right? And please let me know if I'm missing anything, but I feel like I'm getting everything here. But um, basically, the next day, (laughs) Vivian finally surfaces on her Twitter account again. Or I guess during the night, she was like, I'm not fake. You know, y'all are going to eat your words, all that shit. And then the next morning, she posted a two-second video of a girl or a woman (laughs) who obviously does not look like Vivian or the fake Vivian. And maybe a little, maybe like a little bit, but like not a ton. But not no, there is like ninety nine percent did not look like her. And she held up yeah. a paper sign that said Vivian misspelled because it's spelled V I V I A N, but on the paper it said V I V I E N. And then in the two second video, she just says thank you, and it, everyone was like, "Wait, what the fuck? That doesn't prove anything." <laughs> <laughs> and so right after that, she deletes her account. And now it's coming out that she might have been a catfisher for 10 years. And you, when we're all looking back on it, it just seemed fishy because, like, 
she was a girl she was a woman who played overseas but also has a continental g or a bentley gt 2020 and it's like wait how do you go missing in that if that was the last vehicle you were seen in people who are driving 2020 bentleys just don't go missing <laughs> like that right and it was just wild man and i feel bad for uh josh because i as more details started unfolding it became clear that josh was not vivian and that he was also duped by her and he's done a yeah. few interviews since and stuff like that but my god man what is going on over there in lakers twitter chris <laughs> i mean you pretty much nailed it that's all it was uh there's a lot <laughs> yeah it was a, i tried to summarize it as succinctly as possible but there is just too much shit <laughs> shit in this story man yeah man there's a lot it was a lot of stuff and it was something where we it, we, it went from, it went from, man, we all came together as a family and like, you know, we found this person, we found one of our own. And then it went to, wait, what? She's yeah. not real. And then it went to us laughing at Kings. <laughs> then it went to us laughing all at our, at each other. And then uh, to Josh. <laughs> and then to, and then to Josh. And like, you know, it, it, it just Dude, went it around. Became, it became real for me when, uh, national media members like Taylor Rooks and Jamel Hill, they started quote tweeting and being like, okay, what's going on? Let me get to the bottom <laughs> of this. And it was like, oh God, this is going to be on the jump tomorrow. I guarantee it. And what do you know? The jump made a reference. And it was like, it was, the jump making a reference to this story is like, I, I equated it the other day to a mom who, you know, barges into her teenage son's group's conversation and they and she makes a joke that her son and her friends make and, and her son's friends make and all of a sudden the joke's not funny anymore because <laughs> that's basically yeah. what happened on the jump they made like a slight reference and it was like oh, okay all right like that the jump gives off that vibe to me now it's like they're trying to be the uh hey how you doing fellow kids trying to keep up with yeah. nba twitter and nba reddit jokes but i just wanted to see if they made a reference and of course they did but uh yeah man Dude, the, the my favorite, like some of my favorite tweets that I saw were like, obviously the the Fresh Prince Bel Air one was great, um, <laughs> but like there's stuff like that's stuff an like underrated someone, tweet by the way. If you watch is. that show, <laughs> there was someone that said like y'all really thought that uh, you know you had a you had a woman driving around with a Bentley that wanted to talk to you guys about the AD LeBron pick and roll. Oh yeah, that was Dragonfly then, Jones. That's one of my favorite then, Twitter followers. And then the the my favorite quote tweet was. Uh, they quote tweeted someone quote tweeted it was like uh our, our love is unstoppable like when Vogel puts AD in at the five <laughs> <laughs> man some of these jokes were some of these jokes were just out of control and it became Bro. worse because uh who the Timberwolves Twitter account picked up on it and Nas Reed uh put up a paper that said raid kind of like the reverse yeah. joke because e is in his Dude, real name one, but a is there, in was raid. One, there was one uh the kings put out a yep. tweet that was like the Cat vivian fished. but <laughs> yeah but it said uh it said kang's win k-e-n-g mm -hmm. yep i think they like, oh they lost God. to the timberwolves that night and so they said we got cat fished and they put cat k-a-t fish oh, and i was like oh my god like dude this story really took a life of its own man and i kind of don't want to fall i don't want to see who is 
behind the Vivian. I kind of do, but I also don't just because I think the story is just great as is. Kind of like how you're you're prolonging episodes in a binge watch because you want to savor the show or whatever. I'm just like, yeah. like as the stuff was unfolding, I was like, you know, I mean, it sure would be cool to see who's behind this, but this is uh, this is just kind of wild <laughs> in general. Dude, it really uh, yeah, it really is. And so, like, do my favorite tweet too was this last one I sent you the night I think the day after it happened was like. Game seven of the finals, Lakers versus Nets. If KD is at the line shooting two free throws, oh yeah, 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 that oh, one was hilarious. And there's Channing Vivian. There's no way he's at least going one, two, <laughs> <laughs> one of two from the line. Just <laughs> like dude, it, and the funny thing is, like, nothing else really happened this week other than like Steph going crazy and people getting hurt. So like, this was such a because mm-hmm. we're kind of in like the dead point of the season where teams are starting to lock in into their playoff spots. And, like, we're just kind of waiting for the playoffs to happen. So this came at, like, a time where... Well, the Knicks are also on it. I want to talk about the Knicks and the Hawks later because yeah. I think they yeah, did. But in general, like, yeah. like everyone's kind of locked in. And, like, we're just kind of waiting for the playoffs. Like, we're close yeah. up to the playoffs. You can smell it. And we're just like, all right, come on. People like, don't want to admit it, but this season's kind of been lackluster just because of the weirdness and all the yeah. blowouts and stuff. Like, ready for people are ready for the playoffs at this point. We're just waiting for the playoffs. And so, like, for this to happen right when everyone's kind of not bored but when everyone's just kind of looking for something to talk about like this was such a a breath of fresh air in the weirdest <laughs> way i know and the funny and like i was saying earlier like this was a story for like even non-basketball fans because like i was telling this to i was telling this to some of my friends and they're just like what the fuck and i'm like look i know it sounds crazy but i just can't help but be fascinated but and they're they were like no no i get it like i would be i'm not on one of them was like i'm not on twitter but i'd be scrolling through i'd be scrolling the shit out of this story like trying to see see what's going on and all it's it was a it was definitely a compelling story in a lot of ways to say them <laughs> can you imagine yeah. hosting just imagine me hosting a two-hour bob by myself and like trying to talk to myself and then on the like make an argument and then make a counter argument and then demodulate one of the <laughs> one of the voice <laughs> like just a, like i just can't picture co-hosting a podcast by myself but we all know josh didn't do it or i believe it at this point but it's just funny to think about someone just co-hosting a podcast by himself because those episodes were like an hour and a half long yeah so i dude it it's such a funny thing to have happened literally an hour or so after we finished yeah i know that would have been in Man, and just imagine like the updates that came in if that would keep coming in if we had like decided to record like an hour later or whatever. But oh you know, God. work and stuff like that. <laughs> could have recorded an hour. Could have recorded any later. But the best was I've I've watched this clip about a million times now. It's the Katie coming in the room being like, "All right, Kings, what? At what point did you commit to this woman? And why? Like." Had you had not had you not had been with a woman for a long time, yep, or like yep. what? <laughs> <laughs> dude, and you're just like, I, I love that. Okay, besides the whole burner thing, it, pretty much since 2010, Kevin Durant has been the Twitter goat. Like, if you go back and look at some of his past tweets, like the his his, his fame his most infamous tweet couldn't fit this whole bizarre story anymore any more clearly but the tweet from 2010 where it was like twitter's better than the club 
<laughs> like that tweet just fits perfectly w- why we were following this story the entire time. It's just crazy shit on Twitter like this happens. And I'm thinking of like the other crazy Twitter nights that have happened, like DeAndre Jordan's free agency in oh my uh, God. 2015, where yeah. Paul Pierce tweets a clip art rocket emoji. <laughs> like he, yeah. he ripped a image. M- he he went to imgur.com or whatever it's called and ripped it from that website and po- posted a picture of a rocket emoji. Um, the secret tunnel in the Clippers, uh, Clippers Rockets uh, after the Clippers Rockets game. Which yeah, which um, was followed by absolute hilarity from inside the NBA, where Shaq and Chuck were just laughing at the notion that somebody would call the cops on them for trying to start. Yeah, or they, Chris Paul's trying to start a fight, and like who the fuck? <laughs> yeah, like wait, 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 what the like what the fuck? But it's just one of those is another one of those crazy nights on Twitter, man. This is like the this is like I always say this is like the 15 percent of Twitter that's actually funny and great. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It's one of the. It's one of my favorite things. I told. I told my wife. I was like, "This is. This has to be one of my favorite social media things I've ever experienced in my entire life, and like been a part of. And like, this is so fucking funny. <laughs> I've never seen so many WTF or WTF adjacent tweets from a bunch of people that I follow ever in my life because everyone favorite, was just confused. They were like, "What?" My in favorite, the my favorite tweet, John Ireland. I think it was Ireland. I can't remember what it was. Who was they tweeted a picture of Vivian and it says my Twitter feed of the last twenty four hours and it's it's Vivian holding up a sign that says Super League. <laughs> that was the same day. That was I forgot about that because <laughs> I because I that that was the other thing that also well we're not going to turn this into a soccer podcast but one of the no. funnier tweets I saw was again from Dragonfly Jones it was like on a it was Monday that Monday morning and Dragonfly Jones was like what is up with football Twitter freaking out y'all are usually mad and hopped up at five a.m. on Saturdays what the hell is going on <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was just like yeah I know they're usually you know up early on the weekends complaining but this super league story that that was i'm glad that fell through too just yeah, on principle that, but um yeah uh, i have a lot of strong thoughts on super league we'll 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 talk about that later we'll, that table, we'll a... table our super league takes for the next podcast because i have a feeling we might agree on a lot of the shit we we have to say about it <laughs> <laughs> but um let's just, let's go to the actual league uh now i've uh, we spent 20 minutes talking about this vivian story it's it is wild i mean we could keep talking about it but let's talk about you know the league and you know where we are where we are right now we're about i'd say 13 to 15 games out from the playoffs depending on what team you follow what's what uh, schedule the team is on but um i wanted to talk about uh two teams right now that are playing really well in the Eastern Conference. Um, I want to talk about first, well, we already talked about the New York Knicks, but we're going to talk about them again because right now they're on a nine-game winning streak. As of this recording, they are leading the Phoenix Suns 30-17 to in the first quarter. Um, Suns are coming off of a back-to-back after losing to the Brooklyn Nets. But, dude, the Knicks, 34-27, and the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. Julius Randle is balling out of control right now. And Julius Randle has an outside chance of getting MVP votes. Yeah, he's he, is, he is getting he, there. I have, seen, I have seen some media members say that Julius Randle should get a vote because the argument is okay, well, if Steph Curry 
if you're making the argument for Steph Curry to get MVP votes, then why not make the same case for Julius Randle, who, you know, the Knicks have been historically bad or not historic. They've been bad for a long time. And Randall is basically the best player on that team. And he's the fulcrum of an offense that, you know, has been better over the last few weeks. I think they are now over the last uh, month, they've been in the middle of the league as opposed to the bottom third. Um, But Randall is the best player on an offense that is sputtering or that can sputter, but they play hard. They play their asses off on the defensive end. RJ Barrett has taken, a sizable jump in development, I I would say, but Randall as to me is the is the story here. Um, it it continues to be the story. He's his jump shot has unlocked everything in his game, and I just I have a feeling now we're we're at the point now where this really isn't an admiration. I really think this is who Julius Randall is now, especially because he's proven for over a large sample now that the jump shot is real and he's still shooting 40% from three. And it's not just, you know, spot up three pointers or whatever. It is the off the dribble threes. It's the pump fake dribble in and stroke two type of game. Like his jump shot is at that level now where it opens up everything for him. And I think for the Knicks, they've just been playing some damn good basketball and I'm really impressed by them. Yeah, they really have. I'm, I've been surprised again, like, for me, I just want to see a little more consistency shooting-wise from R.J. Barrett. But they have solid pieces around them now where yeah, Emmanuel Quigley is playing like a beast. Um, obviously, Mitchell Robinson, not not available. Yeah, he's been hurt for a long time. But Nerlens but, Noel uh, has been – Nerlens Noel, my guy, finally showing that he is a good rotational defensive center after, you know, kind of – after kind of, you know, not sputtering in Dallas, but it just wasn't the best in Dallas of the best fit for him. But right. just a bunch of guys, that ragtag guys, like uh, Tom Thibodeau has talked about Reggie Bullock being the unsung hero of this team, and he's been playing his ass off on the defensive end and shooting great from three. He's an important piece to that team because he stretches the floor. And I'm just, I'm just really impressed, man. Uh, Tom Thibodeau, i given him shit before in Minnesota because I think he, in some ways he's still archaic and with his methods and stuff but there is no denying that he brings a baseline level of professionalism and a baseline level of competent play for this team and is basically I don't care if you shoot and miss shots if you're not playing hard and playing defense I'm taking you out and I think that's paid dividends well I think for young teams I think just that level of professionalism and that like adult being the adult in the room I think is pretty important Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you look at Randall and the way that Randall's been sort of bouncing around the league, look, he had that he his best years as a Laker were well. He had the two years where he played under Byron Scott, but he was hurt for one of those, and he was rehabbing in the second one. So I don't fully count those. Then he had Luke Walton, who we've now figured out is not is not a good coach. Not a good coach. Uh, then he goes to the Pelicans where I think he had Alvin Gentry still, right? Yep. And he averaged uh 21 points and, you know, almost nine rebounds. So he had a good year before that. Yeah. And then he goes to the Knicks where now, you know, you can say what you will about the Knicks and like Nick culture or whatever, but they've put a lot of effort in changing it. They got, they got Mr. Worldwide West over there mm. doing his thing. And you got, 
and you got a coach like Tom Thibodeau, who, again, like you're saying, is kind of an old school coach. And I don't know how effective that is now. But when you have buy-in from guys that like that, that want to be pushed, and I think that I think it's done Rand a lot of good. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's done R.J. Barrett a lot of good too, because he w- he wasn't gar- guaranteed playing time. Now he's one of the <laughs> at the beginning. Now he's one of the highest minute guys in the league. I think him and Randall together are top two or top three in minutes per game, which is the Thibodeau special. Um, right. But you know, Emmanuel quickly has been Emmanuel quickly. You know, will sometimes get minutes. It like it goes back to. Um, Tom Thibodeau's structure like Emmanuel quickly should be getting out he's not guaranteed minutes he has to earn them which is good and I think he's a really solid rookie but uh Knicks fans don't want Alfred Payton to any anywhere near the court anymore which is hilarious um but I just really like that even though the Knicks aren't perfect offensively they have an identity and I think um over the years I think Forming chemistry and identity has been, you know, it it's kind of been on not the wayside, but it's been less emphasized with teams across the league, especially with the player movement and stuff like that um, yeah. and all that. But I just think that uh, bringing in that stability and um, bringing in the stability and maybe not – I don't – I do think there are some new stuff that Tom Thibodeau is – you know, embracing, but there's definitely still the, I'm going to play my guys a bunch of minutes, uh, guys that I trust. I'm going to bring in veterans that I know, like Taj Gibson eventually comes to the Knicks. They trade for D Rose. Um, but the Knicks, are, there's no doubt the results are what they are. The Knicks are playing some really good basketball right now. I love seeing that the Madison square garden, even though it's like three or 4,000 fans, it still gets hype. But, um, Knicks are playing Knicks are playing some good basketball. So I just want to shout out the Knicks. <clears throat> yeah, shout out to the Knicks. And again, like Le- LeBron brought it up before, and, and this is something that I always believe too, is the league is better when the Knicks are good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like to me, the four to me, the four most important franchises in the NBA are the Lakers, the Celtics, the Knicks, and the Sixers. If the four of those teams are good, the NBA is better. Yep. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. Um, I think new age, I'd probably throw the Warriors in there too, just because sure. they, they've established right. themselves. But yeah, those are like the four pillar franchises that you mentioned right there. That is yeah. historically me, me, when those four teams are good. What's up? To me, those are those are the backbone of the NBA. If those yeah. four franchises are good, you're you're in a good spot. Yeah, you're in a good spot, and I and I know um well, and I know people, you know will scoff at that or whatever that's the reality like the big market teams like when they're better the league is inevitably draws more interest and it's the league is just better when the big names are just as much as the big superstars lifting milwaukee the milwaukee's and the you know the jazzes and the sons of the world and all that stuff at the end of the day the cash cows well including the warriors now because they are still insanely popular even though they everybody around Steph and Draymond is not good. Um, uh, they are important and they bring in a lot of revenue to the league. So um, yeah, it's good to have the Knicks back again. And dude, they're going to be a tough out. I don't think anybody wants to face the Knicks. Um, I know when the Sixers played the Knicks this year, they have all of them have been tough battles that eventually you pull out in the end because you are the better team. But now the Knicks are in a groove. They have the 
highest winning streak in the league now. Um, funny enough, the Washington Wizards have won eight in a row. They're behind uh, the Knicks in terms of the longest win streaks. But Knicks are playing some good basketball right now. Um, another team that I wanted to bring up, the Atlanta Hawks. They have been playing some fantastic basketball and fun basketball, by the way, because they were shitty to watch at the beginning of the year. I think I complained on this podcast before, but um, terrible. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they just not fun to watch. They obviously were checked out on Lloyd Pierce. Um, and, you know, when Trey Young checks out on Lloyd Pierce or the relationship between franchise player and head coach is tenuous, even heading into the season, wasn't going to end well. But now, since Nate McMillan was hired on March 1st, the Hawks are 20-7. and seven. They are now 30-27, and 27, have won seven out of their last 10 games. They, their offense has improved. Their offense is top four since March 1st, since Nate, since Nate McMillan was hired. And their defense has also, um, their, their defense is also top half. They're top 13. So, what have you seen from the Hawks that you have liked? And um, how how tough of an out do you think they'll be in the playoffs? Because they're not they're not going to be in the play-in. They are clearly ahead of the Celtics uh, on the sixth seed. Um, and the Celtics and the Heat are tied for seventh, which is the first play-in spot. But I don't think the Hawks or the Knicks are falling back now. No. Uh, to me, the, the Hawks' resurgence, so to speak – I mean, not really resurgence. I mean, they're playing really well, but I mean, the – to me, it oh, comes down to... It's a resurgence with how bad they were playing to start the year. <laughs> so, so to me, it comes down to Bogdanovich and how much better he's been playing. Because they, yeah. they won a game last night with no with no, uh, with no Trey Young and no Capella, I think, right? Yeah, like, and Bogdanovich's numbers when Trey... And I think the Hawks are 5-0 and in the Nate McMillan era when Trey Young doesn't play, which has been the complete opposite trend in the yeah. Lloyd Pierce era. And it's because of Bogdan. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to me, it comes down to him, and he he has become sort of the glue piece that gives. Like their offense isn't solely dependent on Trey Young anymore, which was always their problem, and yeah. it came down to thing where now Capella's getting involved. He's doing a lot more of the stuff that you saw him do in Houston. Obviously, he's not getting as easy buckets as he was getting. Capella has with, been awesome all year. I actually argue he's their second most important player on yeah. the team. So to me. It comes down to Capella is playing a lot better. Bogdan's giving them a secondary shooting threat and a shoot and a secondary outside perimeter threat that frees up everything for Trey. Um, and then even when Trey doesn't play, it it gives them a ball someone that can shoot, that can ball handle, that can make plays, that can do whatever he needs to do. And he's just playing at a much higher level. It just spreads the floor, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, it it I still don't. I'm still a huge fan of the Hawks. I still think they're, I don't think they're going to get super far. Like, obviously, if they're playing, if they're locked into this fifth seed, they're going to play the Knicks in the first round. I think the Knicks are going to beat them. Um, That'd be a know, fun series. It, it is going to be a fun series because it's very conflicting and different in, in styles, right? Yeah. Um, I would personally take the Knicks over the Hawks there. So, I again, I don't know. How, it lo- it's looking like the Knicks and the Hawks first round. It's looking like that's what's going to lock in. Um, Knicks have home court. That's crazy. Yeah, isn't that nuts? That is Who nuts. If you told me this at the beginning of the year, I would have laughed at you. Yeah, I would have laughed. I mean, remember when we were talking about how the Knicks uh, were just getting off the fact that they were signing a bunch of power forwards and they were just changing that philosophy. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. And 
the crazy part is their 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 quote unquote savior power forward, Mr. Obi Toppin, hasn't even played that much yet. Yeah. Um that that is uh I think in the next couple years, uh the next couple years are gonna be important for Obi. I'm just gonna say that. Um Well now what happens with Randall playing like this? Do you switch Randall over to the five? And then now you have Obi and Randall as like these athletic front court. Uh, that that could be an interesting lineup. I don't know long term that would work. Um, it just seems like if Toppin doesn't turn into something soon, he might just get flipped for somebody. Yeah. Well, um, especially injury issues. Especially and also especially because Randall's really good now. Like he's gonna make an All NBA team this year, deservedly so. Like he might. He might make a first team. First team All NBA. Well, think about it. Who's when you think all? Because that's it's more like third team to me. There's too many good forwards in the one in the West. I think second, first, and second teams are going to be filled out pretty pretty quickly before you get to Randall. Okay, like does see because there's so many people that got hurt. Like is obviously LeBron to make first team, but does he deserve to be? Because he, he's I think missed, so. he's missed like again. I'm a Laker fan. He's missed like two months. Yeah. Um. The I I I'm more lenient yeah. on the game. Yeah, right? Like, there's just so many guys where it's like, fuck. They've been. There, you can make an argument for most guys where you're like, damn, he's better than Randall. But you go, but he was out for two months. And I'm more lenient better. on the games missed. Usually I'm more lenient with the games missed when it comes to all NBA anyway, but I think because of this specific COVID season, um, I'm sure. more lenient on it. Like the goofy thing to me is Nikola Jokic is probably going to win MVP. And so he's probably going to be first team all NBA center, but because of the archaic position uh, positions that the NBA likes to have with all first teams, Joel Embiid is probably going to be the second team center. Like, how goofy is that? Like, it's really, yeah. like, it's really goofy. Like, though, N- Jokic and Embiid have been two of the five best players in the league this year, and one yeah. of them is going to be second team. All- like, I so, um, you then you got okay. Kawhi, Paul George, Devin, but like, or I guess they're not forwards. So I guess sticking with forwards, you'd probably go with, you know, Kawhi, Paul George, Giannis, um. Durant's probably out of the running for all NBA yeah. team unless uh somebody puts him third team. I wouldn't have a problem if he made third team or something like that. But uh Randall's gonna have tough sledding to make I think he'll make third team. I think he deserves that for sure. Um He because he's been doing this all year, dude. Yeah, I know. The 24, 10, and six. The thing is, like when you look at Randall, when you look at most players, you're like, oh, he has there's here's like a slump or here's like a slow stretch. Here's like a down month. Mm-hmm. No, he's been consistent the entire year. Yeah. Putting up crazy numbers and keeping the Knicks afloat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, he has been awesome all year. Um, Real quickly, going back to the Hawks. Um, <clears throat> I think one of the reasons that the Hawks have been, I think this goes back to kind of like with the Knicks, right? Except in a, in a few different ways. And um, I think Rock, it was either Dan Devine or Rob Mahoney of the Ringer kind of mapped this out uh, talking about the Hawks, but um, I think Nate McMillan has brought some kind of structure to the Hawks, which is something that, you know, you notice in the Lloyd Pierce era, it's kind of free flowing. Everybody kind of does what they want. Trey Young has the ball in his hands all the time. 
Well, now Nate McMillan is running more sets. Their pace is actually slower under Nate McMillan than it was under Lloyd Pierce. Um, and it's not like the Hawks were that high in pace anyway under Lloyd Pierce. It, but the pace is – they've gone down a few spots in terms of pace rankings under Nate McMillan. They're running more sets for guys like Bogdan Bogdanovich. I think we're not talking about Kevin Herter enough because he's not just a shooter. I think he's just a good basketball player. He can, you know, attack a closeout. He can pass a little bit. And, of, of course, on top of the shooting – I think Trey Young is more structured and more controlled um, in this environment, which has benefited the Hawks. And because Nate McMillan demands a baseline of competence and, you know, accountability with his team, they are able to win games when guys like Capella go down or Trey Young go down. We haven't even talked about DeAndre Hunter, who was having an awesome career year. It looked like he made a big leap in this second year. Um, but then he got hurt. Cam Reddish has been in and out of the lineup. Chris Dunn hasn't even played yet. And I look, I'm the only one left on Chris Dunn Island. I feel like I think he is an NBA rotate. I think he's a rotational NBA guard who is one of the best uh, guard defenders in the NBA. He hasn't even played yet. Um, the Hawks have really navigated injuries well um, under Nate McMillan as opposed to Lloyd Pierce. And I think with the when you look at how Indiana is doing now, um, now that Nate McMillan is out of there and it's Nate Bjorken in Indiana, maybe the Pacers roster and they've had some injuries and stuff. I'm not I'm not gonna dismiss that, but you maybe there is something to Nate McMillan bringing the best out of whatever he had in front of him. And with the Hawks, they have a bunch of talented playmakers, ball handlers, shooters. I mean, I know Danilo Gallinari, he is always like a ticking time bomb in terms of, you know, when is the next injury coming? But, you know, he's he'll have moments off the bench where it's like, whoa, okay, all right. Like this like the Hawks can throw together some lineups that I like I just really this was the team I thought the Hawks were going to be to start the year. Maybe not this good already, but definitely more competent more um structured in terms of their offense and their defense has gotten better. Um they, I think to me, the key thing too is taking the ball out of Trey's hands. I don't know if it. I don't know if. Uh, I don't know if Trey has had the ball out of his hands as much under Nick McMillan as opposed to Lloyd Pierce. I have to check the usage rate numbers on that. But Trey Young, yes, has kind of acquiesced a little bit um, of the offense. He still has the ball in his hands quite a bit. Um, yeah, but I just think it. It looks less. Forced. It looks less heliocentric. I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it look, it, it, I love using, I love saying that word. <laughs> the, the the problem was like when when you have when the when you're playing heliocentric through him, it just seemed like he was trying to force everything. Yeah, and there was where, no off ball action around him either. There's no flow or movement at all. Yeah. <laughs> now it looks like okay, now there's some movement, there's some cutting happening. Yeah, there's there's, there's back screens on the other side going to free up the shooter. Anything. Yeah. Guys want to get out and run because they know they can get the ball if they get, if they get mm -hmm. open. Mm -hmm. like there's there's all kind of that, right? Yep. And also, I don't know if this is going to happen either, but Clint Capella might make an All NBA team this year. He might have a case for, well, well, if it's our, I want to do my own All NBA teams with no positions, kind of like the Bender Futurama thing. I will start my own All NBA team with Black Jackson Hookers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to make like a positionless 
all NBA team because I think Clint Capella has been awesome this year and he would he would absolutely have a case if it was a positionless um all NBA roster because he's putting up kind of the same stats that Rudy Gobert is he's the linchpin of that Hawks defense um on a team that aside from DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish doesn't really have a lot of plus defenders I would say uh to put it lightly um and he's held that together he's been an awesome lob lob threat for Trey Young he he's just been a beast this year man I think he's found a perfect home in Atlanta um so the the Hawks are very intriguing to me right now um I never thought the Hawks or the Knicks would have a better record than the Celtics at this point in the season which is kind of crazy but here we are yeah um, I, again, I, I thought they would fade pretty quickly. I thought, I thought they'd make the playoffs, but I think they'd be. I thought they'd be a lot lower. I think mm-hmm. two would be really different if all these teams were healthy. Like I think I, I honestly think the Hornets were playing better basketball. I think the Heat, if they were healthy, would be playing better basketball. But again, like these are all what ifs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I do want to bring up to the Wizards. Oh yeah, the, oh yeah. Let's talk about the yeah. Wizards. We talked about them last week, but they're still they're still going. Yeah, they're still winning. Um, Russell Westbrook is still um, um, Russell's playing really well. Brad Beal playing really well. Yeah, hope my, that injury isn't too serious for Brad Beal. But you is, how much time does this buy them with Brad Beal? Well, I I I would honestly be surprised if <clears throat> I would be surprised not this summer, but by next summer. If Bradley Beal is still a wizard, then I don't know, man. I don't know what to think, man. I would just feel sorry for him at that point because it's like I get loyalty. I value loyalty. I am a person who, you know, once you're once you're in my circle of friends, you're good with me. You, uh, you're good with me. Like I'm loyal, right? So I value loyalty. But at some point, like you, there has to be a breaking point, right? Like I can't believe. Like, I know the Wizards are playing well right now, but they're still the 10th seed. I don't think they're going to even sniff the first. Like, okay, a play-in scenario with Russ and Bradley Beal, that that is a scary proposition for these other play-in teams. But once they get to the real first round, they're just going to get demolished. And I know Russell Westbrook has been playing well again, but he has been having serious ebbs and flows this season. Just you know, looking at it efficiency-wise and numbers-wise, um, it is still wild that he has averaged a triple-double basically over these last five seasons. I will say that. Like, it is wild, but... I'm On just... different teams, too. It's not yeah. like he's in the same system. He's different teams. Yeah, different teams. The Thunder, the Rockets, and the Wizards. And... To me, it comes down to his effort levels, too. Like, Russell Westbrook tries harder than anyone I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Dude doesn't stop. In full motor, so you know. I would probably, I'd probably throw Allen Iverson and Kobe in there. But see, Allen Iverson and Kobe were still controlled, like smooth, like not. I don't want to say smooth, but they're they're they. It was the high energy thing, but it, it was con- like it was more control. Like I get what you're saying. It was more of f- it was more focused. I guess. Yeah. I guess naturally, we're- those type of players aren't like they naturally those type of players they do have a little bit of tunnel vision but kobe and allen were the best at looking being able to look out of the tunnel more often i guess yeah 
I think I'd put KG in there in terms of just oh, like yeah. this energy. But yeah. like when you watch Russ play, man, like he is He's given a maniac. in every second of that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no there's no let up at all. We're like Kobe and even Allen, like you can see spots on the court where they're not hustling a hundred percent of the time. We're like, yeah, they're they're trying, they're giving their all and like you know, they're putting it all on the court. Like, I don't want to say they're lazy or anything like that because that's not what I mean. But, like, when you watch Russ, man, he is a different kind of effort. Uh, on offense, I would say. Because <laughs> yeah. I think he's, I think he has been always overrated defensively to bad, really bad defensively. Um, but I think for me, it's a thing of even on defense, he's bad, but he's still running around like if, it's like the it's the it's the patrick beverly thing of like the you know he's all he's he's not playing defense he's just running around which like, was said by russell westbrook funny enough <laughs> think about right but like russ he's still flying around like he's still trying, trying to harass people and like trying to do whatever he's bad but like he's still you can still see the effort right yeah well yeah, well, also I've seen him get backdoored a lot of times too. Or he'll he'll spit he'll like my favorite the Russell Westbrook special to me is when the action is on the other side of the court and he's not involved in the play. So he starts wandering towards the basket, um, get to get the rebound, and either his man will backdoor him for a cut to the basket for a layup, or the shot will go up on the action that's being run on the other side. And Russ already is already starting to walk towards, um, walk towards uh, the basket to get the defensive rebound, and his man will just cut in and get an offensive rebound over him, and then he'll look around and be like, "Whoa, wait, what? What just happened?" <laughs> and like that's the Russell Westbrook special to me. But he does. Russell Westbrook is a very, it's the energ- energizer bunny type shit, and he has been playing well in a stretch where the Wizards are now winners of their last eight. And, um, yeah, they, I really, it, the Wizards are weird to me because I don't really think they're going anywhere and they kind of disappointed because I thought Russ and Bradley Beal would be, the record would be a lot better, but they are playing good basketball right now, I guess at the right time. So in a play in where it's just one game for all the marbles with those three guys, with those two guys, you, you'd take your chances at winning a game if you're a Wizards fan, right? Yeah. I would, especially yeah. going up against like the other teams that are going to be in this plan. Yeah. Well, uh, the only the only other team right now that would be when you look at when you look at the plan teams, right? To mm-hmm. me, the Hornets, because the Hornets are going to get everyone back. Apparently. Yeah. It's looking like they're going to get everyone back, which to me makes them very scary. Yep, agreed. And uh, the the Heat, yeah, dude, the Heat, uh, Hornets playing game that. That that would be right now. That's how the matchup is slated. That would be really fun. Um, right now the Wizards would be slated to pay the pay play the Pacers, and I think the Wizards would have to win twice to move on because yeah. they're the lower seed. I would absolutely bet the Wizards to win that series because I have not yeah. been impre- impressed with the Pacers for really a good amount of the season now. Like I I I pick the Wizards over the Pacers, and then depending on if the Heat or the Horns come through. The Wizards might be able to steal one, yeah, and get in get in there. Um, I'd be concerned if I was the Celtics. I'd be very concerned t- for dropping down to that seventh or eighth spot. 
Yeah. Um, even when the Celtics started going on that recent stretch where they won five in a row, whatever, I thought it was fool's gold. I thought it was just because like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have been doing all year. They've been carrying the team and they, you know, got a, got a little bit more on a hot streak and their numbers bumped up. And so the Celtics started winning more games. I still think, yeah, they found a little bit of something with Rob Williams, you know, in his passing in the starting lineup. Um, I guess Luke Cornett has been better than expected as a backup big, but I mean, who, what are we talking about here? Like, I'm bringing up Luke fucking Cornett, right? <laughs> like, as much as I would like the Sixers to get Luke Cornett because he could stretch the floor, but you're saying Rob Williams is going to be a is, it was a it was a spark plug off there. No, the okay, you laugh at the Rob Williams thing, but I am telling you, he has been awesome since he's no, been a starter. I I'm laughing at like when you talk about yeah. what we thought the Celtics were at the beginning of the year. We're talking about Rob Williams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Kimba, who knows? Who knows what day Kimba is feeling good? Right? He, yeah. He'll he'll have one day like um when they played over the weekend. I know Doris Burke was talking about like uh oh um Kimba hasn't played for five days, so he's feeling good tonight. And it's like if if I have to, you know, if if my player is constantly if I'm if I'm hearing constantly from my player that he's feeling good in this game because he had a he had like four or five days off prior to that game I'm worried <laughs> you know like it's concerning it, it is very it's very concerning especially when he's a big money contract guy right and um you know the Celtics have kind of sol- come down on a solid rotation of players but I just think one, it's too late at this point in the season, and two, they kind of are what they are. They, they, I, to me, the winning streak they were on was fool's gold. So I think if they slipped into the play-in, they are absolutely susceptible of just getting booted out pretty soon. So I agree yeah. with you there. If they, if they slip into the plan, like play-in, and it, either the Heat, the Hornets, or the Wizards, I take either the Heat. I take the Heat, the Hornets, and the Wizards to beat them. The Hornets, if they're fully healthy, I would take them. I would take the Heat and the Horn. I would I would agree with the Heat and the Hornets. I think the Wizards, they don't play any defense, so I think the Celtic that would be conducive to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown just, you know, just going ham on them. And I so I think I would pick the Celtics in that. But if Brad, but you know, it's not like I think it's crazy. I don't think it's crazy that the Wizards would beat the Celtics. You know, it's just a shootout, and at that point, then. You know your your fate is in the hands of a bouncing ball. Yeah, yeah. Like you're not you're not doing anything to control the the fate there. You're just you're both just shooting the balls around and seeing what falls. Yeah, ex- uh, exactly. And uh, you know. speaking of dude, I I love that the Hornets, even though they haven't been winning as much since Lamelo and especially since Gordon went down, they are still fighting their asses off and staying afloat. Yeah, dude. They are still you know five hundred. They you know beat the hell out of the Celtics yesterday. Miles Bridges has been spectacular, honestly, since uh, Hayward went down and LaMelo went down. And, you know, when fully healthy, I would would probably pick the Hornets over the Heat. I haven't liked what I've seen from the Heat this year. I know um, one of our very early podcasts that we did, we were, when the Heat were starting to get their guys back and all that stuff, I know we were kind of putting stock on the Heat because they made the finals last year and stuff like that, but it might just be, it might just be a bubble thing, honestly. Drogic hasn't played well. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler was in and out of the lineup this year. Bam has taken a leap, but Jimmy and Bam have, 
I feel like they have to do so much um, because Duncan Robinson's having a down year. Tyler Hero is having a second-year slump. Um, Goran Dragic, like I said, he has not been playing well uh, or has not even recaptured his bubble form. And even before the bubble, Dragic wasn't that good in the regular season last year either. So it's like... I would absolutely, I would, I would be on the bandwagon with you. I would absolutely take the Hornets over the Heat in a potential play-in, you know, uh, in the play-in that is constructed right now. Yeah, hundred percent. So, that being said, yes, we did talk about the East quite a bit. Let's move on to the West here. The West is a little more locked in. We're pretty, we're pretty solid in most cases. The Warriors here are the interesting case because Steph's on fire. They're <laughs> the still... best shooting stretch of his career, which is saying something. Yeah. They're still struggling to beat teams. They struggled to beat the Kings last night. Mm-hmm. Um, even with, Str- with Steph on this historic run, they struggled to beat the Kings. You know, you take the wins they use, you could get them. Yeah. Do you take them over the Spurs, Grizzlies, or Trailblazers? Because the Trailblazers are also very bad. Ooh, I wanted to talk about the Trailblazers too, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, yeah, this, is, this is terrible. perfect. This is perfect. Um, I would definitely – okay, so definite – I I am confident in Steph Curry versus the field. I am not confident in – or, or specifically, I'm confident in Steph Curry and Draymond versus the field. I'm not confident in the Warriors versus the field if they played, say, the Grizzlies. Um, Spurs, even the, the Spurs have tailed off quite a bit um, lately. Um, I would be more comfortable with the 10-9 play-in matchup. But Steph has to do so much, man. Like... Him and Draymond. Draymond's been putting together like 20 assist games lately, trying to spoon feed these guys open. Steph is opening the floor up for everybody and is still getting double and triple teams. <laughs> like, I I would definitely feel comfortable with the Warriors against the Spurs and the Blazers. Against the Grizzlies, they're starting to kind of maybe round into form a little bit. They're getting Jaron Jackson Jr. back. Um, they already have a set rotation, and I really like their rotation, by the way. Um, but if you're asking me, Steph versus, or I guess it would be Steph versus the Spurs, I would take I would take the Warriors definitely. Um, I just I don't know. I just feel like in the play-in, I'm taking the best player, and I think Steph's clearly the best player. I know. Well, actually, I don't give a fuck if Blazers fans get mad. Steph is the better player. I'm like I love Damian Lillard. He is a tier one franchise player. He's an all-time great, but he, but Steph is the best player in this play-in tournament, and I will just roll with that because if the premise is one game or two games, anything can happen, and so I'm taking the guy that can disproportionately impact the game, which is Wardell Stephen Curry the third. So, what do you? What's your temperature on the Warriors? God, I I'm so scared of the Warriors just because. Steph could go off and they could win by 20 or Steph could go off and they could lose by 10 because of the combination of two for 50 from Wiggins and Oubre. (laughs) Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what Steph does. Yeah. It, it it really doesn't. And it's like, 
I don't know. You can't pick anything because there's no consistency from anyone else. All you, the only thing you can chalk up for for the night is like Steph's going to go off. He's going to have an incredible game, and like they might get blown out or they might w- barely scratch one out. Like you don't know. And yeah. it's something where I go when I look at the teams above them, and I go, okay, Spurs. Yeah, they could beat the Spurs. Yeah, they could beat the Grizzlies. Yeah, they could beat the Blazers. But there's one game. Mm-hmm. So they have to win. Obviously, they're going to have to win two to get to, into the playoffs. But do I trust them to pull out two games? Do I trust Kelly Oubre and Wiggins not to mess and it up? Kent, for- and Kent Bazemore. Yeah, and can't be, to, do I trust them to not mess it up for two games? No, I don't. And actually, honestly, I should probably leave Wiggins out of this group because I do think he has been playing well this year relative to his standards. He has been uh, he has been a solid defender this year, and I think he's shooting a career high from – pretty sure he's still shooting a career high from three this year. So I don't want to lump him in with Bazemore and Oubre, who have, you know, have had a lot more downs than Wiggins has. But it just goes back to – you know, remember the, the Warrior-Celtics games a few weekends ago? Um, Steph goes off for 47, and Kent Bazemore misses two free throws to tie the game with a minute left, and then Draymond misses a layup uh, to pull the Warriors within one with uh, 50 seconds to go. It's just so much. Steph has to do so much, and the other guys have to do so much for it to go right. that, And it's not even much that they have to do for it to go right. It's just that there is more chances of them messing it up, messing up the whole operation for uh, Steph and Draymond. So they're a volatile group for sure. If they make it to the eighth seed, they're I really they would be so funny if they made the eighth seed and eliminated the jazz if Steph just booted the jazz out of the playoffs by himself. That would be yeah. that would be my fever dream. But I just think once they get to the eighth seed it's curtains for the Warriors, unfortunately. Dude, if they if they made the eighth seed I'm taking over the jazz. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> you're just gonna you're just going full chaos. You're like, you know what? Fuck it. Upset. <laughs> I respect it. I respect Dude, it. I'm all in. Let's go. <laughs> um the Blazers, man. Man. They have been shit. <laughs> yeah, they're they're absolutely terrible. I uh it's one of those things where when you look at their team and you go, All right, Dame's obviously not hundred percent. Yeah. He looks he looks hobbled. So, okay, it's and time for McCollum. Yeah, as Dame does. McCollum or like Nurk or someone to step up. And they're just like, yeah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> and like, oh. I, I don't know if you've read uh, Jason Quick's piece on The Athletic, but it's also looking like Terry Stotts might be on the hot seat later this summer or there's a chance. Um, they don't know what's going to happen beyond this year. Um, I'd be amazed if he wasn't. You'd be what? I'd be amazed if he wasn't. Yeah, and um, it's it sucks, right? Because the Blazers were they had a shit start to injuries because CJ McCollum was having a career year. He was taking more three pointers per game than his normal career average. Um, Ner- Zach Collins not playing again this year. Um, they had injuries to start the year, and Dame still carried them. But I think the reason why I was lukewarm on the Blazers the entire year is because the clutch stat that everybody keeps citing, and I am not one to question Damian Lillard in the clutch. He's proven it over and over and over and over and over and over again. 
that formula for winning, why they have that record, was because they are so good in the clutch. But that is such an unstable and volatile method to winning games because anything can happen in the last. And for those who don't know, the NBA defines clutch stats as uh, games or games that are within five points within the last five minutes of a game. And Dame is one of the best and also one of the best of all time, period. But this year, it was at such an unsustainable rate that I was like, this has got to regress to the mean eventually, right? And on top of the injuries and then everybody coming back and being reintegrated again, and Terry Stotts just doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing. He started um, Rondé Hollis Jefferson the other day and Derek Jones, one of the pieces they signed over the summer to a mid-level exception didn't play at all and he couldn't give a good explanation why dude they have won they have won three out of their last 12 games and do you want to know what those three wins are hit me the thunder the pistons and the spurs barely by one point three okay two of those teams have the what the worst records in the nba one team is a young team that is kind of they have been sputtering since they had like a decent start in the middle of the season where they were like six games over 500. The other losses have been the playoff teams Milwaukee, the Clippers, the Jazz, the Heat, the Celtics, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Grizzlies back to back. They do not play well against great teams. One because no. of coaching and one because they were they've been injured. Dame's hobbled, of course, but. Their formula is unsustainable. They have one of the worst defenses in the NBA, and I don't care what people throw at me of how their defense has been 18th or whatever over the last two weeks. I don't give a fuck. It's still bad. Um, Their roster construction, I think it's reaching ahead. I think they have a lot of talent, but maybe a coaching change is in order before they decide to blow up the roster because I don't know what they do at this point Um, because I don't think they're going far in the playoffs at all, and they definitely have some decisions to make. Because you don't want to waste a tier one superstar like Damian Lillard's prime. But this is the one team that he has known and the one team where they have found success. So it's kind of like they're in that middle, but it's like you got to change something at some point. Yeah, it. Um, it it's funny because we hear every year that like, hey, the Blazers are going to be. <laughs> Every year, this seems like this happened the last like three or four years. Blazers get hurt all year. They struggle and like make their like barely make their way into the playoffs, but they're healthy. And then someone goes, Hey, just remember, they aren't a real eight seed. Yeah. And then and then they lose. Yeah. And you go, Oh, okay. Well, they'll be better next year when they're all fully healthy for the whole year. Yep. And it never happens. And they've had success. They've made it to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, they um, did. They, they, um, they've constantly. Well, besides the Pelicans, like what was the, what was the anomaly here? What was the outlier? Is it the fact that they, we have, like high expectations that they don't meet, or was it the team that we had low expectations for that made it to the Conference Finals once? That is true. They, you could you can absolutely argue that they um, overachieved that year, but they 
also you could also say okay look at the years before that they have made it past the second round each time and got a buzzsaw in the warriors or besides that one year where they just got dome rocked by the pelicans in the first round and got swept <laughs> um but after that because they that took it awesome. they they took that series personal and they came back better and they made it in the they uh you know made it past the second round got to the warriors God, you know, we all know what happened there, but they made it to the Western Conference Finals two years ago. And they like the the teams in the past led by Damian Lillard have been really good. But yeah. now where they are at right now. They've been good at the past, but my, and I don't doubt that they're still a good NBA team. My thing is always like, yes, they're a good NBA team. Yes, they have a lot of talent. But do we just overrate them thinking every year I hear like, Hey, they're not, they're the best eighth seed we've ever seen. We do kind of overrate the Blazers a little bit, but I think we are all catching on now. I I just think it's surprising to me that, you know, they got Robert Covington, Derek Jones Jr. I think Nurkic is, when he's right, is a solid defender. I don't, I look at this roster and I, I don't see a 29th ranked defense. I've watched the Kings. I've watched some bad basketball over my years. Like there is no, there is to me, there is no reason why the Blazers should be 29th in defense per cleaning the glass, allowing 117.6 points per 100 possessions. Like I know the backcourt's smaller than most, but it's not like, they're sieves. It's not like Damian, like Damian Lillard, when he sits down in a stance, he can guard somewhat. So can McCollum, but they have Robert Covington, Derek Jones, Jr. Rondé Hollis Jefferson now in the, on the 10 days, like Nurkic, like I'm just saying I'm this not, I'm they shouldn't be 29th defensively. <laughs> I'm curious what would happen if you took a coach like Vogel and he, and he gave him, he gave Vogel this group. Like what happens? They would probably be way better defensively. I, I would I would wager that I would I I see where you're going with that premise and I would agree with it like I'm thinking about like what if you put Thib- Thibodeau there like yeah or like, maybe, what if you gave give him a coach that like emphasized defense and effort and it's not it looked- and it's not to say that Terry Stotts is a bad coach he's a he's I think his voice is just running out in that yeah. in that uh, in that organization he's been there for eight years now like preach the same thing over and over again so many times before they're like, okay, yeah, we, before you take it to stagnant, right? You just need to change things up. Yeah. And I think if you've listened to like his recent post-game pressers and stuff, it just doesn't sound like he has answers. It sounds like he's fed up with the questions yeah. too. And it's like, just put, and again, like, I don't think, I don't think either side, either the players or the coaches are to blame. I think it's just a thing of, yeah, we're, we're done with each other. Yeah. And so, and so I just, it's funny because uh, Kevin, I saw your retweet on uh, Kevin O'Connor. And I remember when he tweeted like at the beginning of the year that the Blazers were massively yeah. overrated and, you know, uh, I massively overrated. I think slightly. I think, I think what he was more saying was when people at the time were picking the Blazers to go to the finals. Cause I think what he was replying to was a video where Chuck and other NBA analysts were saying that the Blazers could be a dark horse finals contender. And Kevin O'Connor's like, okay, that's massively overrating them. But Blazers fans 
came at his neck, dude. They were going, they yeah. were like, they were, they were like, you have no idea what you're talking about. You don't watch the games, which is my favorite response ever. Cause it's like, okay, he gets paid to watch the games. He watches the fucking games. I just, yeah. I, that is such a lazy response. I don't want to go on a side rant about the watch the games thing. And that's not to say I don't do it. You can, to me, you can tell when somebody doesn't watch the games saying, automatically you don't watch the games as some kind of rebuttal to a take that you disagree with is to me lazy and two is a sign that I don't need to have a further conversation with you because it's just apparent that you don't want to have a thoughtful conversation um but Kevin O'Connor got shit for it and it's looking like he's kind of coming out right whether it be for injuries and other stuff but still like the Blazers are having bad dude like it's bad yeah, it's um to me the Kevin O'Connor thing is like I understand you're as fans you have to be kind of realistic. Like yeah, when <laughs> when the Lakers were bad, <laughs> I'm not like hey we can maybe sneak into the playoffs. And hey, you know, that was like my expectation, right? For mm-hmm. Blazers fans, you got to know like when you look at your roster, you got to be able to say like oh we can make some noise in the playoffs. But we're not beating the Lakers or the or the Clippers or these Nuggets. And, you know, look at, you know, like, no, you don't want to trade C.J. McCollum. But I think it's a fair thing to ask, like, if they traded yeah. C.J. McCollum and got – or if C.J. McCollum was six, three inches taller, like, yeah. that would be a more stable well, backcourt. I think that's fair. Yeah. They're obviously one of the best in the league, but it is a oh, fair yeah. question. <laughs> undersized guards that kind of play the same position like do you want to keep them both yeah that is a fair question to ask and it, like it does that doesn't mean you don't watch the games or what, whatever um but i don't know what you do if you're the blazers this summer they're kind of in a cap situation also with all these contracts i think, I think it's time it it might be time i think it i think it's time too um dame's 30 now i dame's clearly the better player and yeah. he's still a tier one franchise player to me. I think if you put the right team around Dame, you can win a championship with him as the guy. Um, and I think the first step in that is trading McCollum. I don't know for what. I don't think you trade McCollum just to trade uh, CJ McCollum. If there's nothing out there, then, you know, if there's nothing out there, you keep the the good player. But if... If hypothetically, I don't know how the cap machinations between these two teams would work to make the trade work, but if Bradley Beal and CJ McCollum, a deal like that was on the table, you take that if you're the Blazers, like 100%. (laughs) Like pairing Beal with Willard, who Beal is bigger, a better scorer, and a more, it can shoot in more different ways than maybe McCollum can, even though McCollum's a good shooter, like... There's, I think it's it's time for the Blazers to start looking next summer. I agree with you there. Yeah, it's just it's just a thing where, again, and I like McCollum a lot, and in a lot yeah. of ways, I McCollum does things that Dame doesn't, but they are similar types of players. Where I don't think you need both of them, and I think having both on the court at the same time is detrimental, especially like and later in the games. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to have both of them on the court and justify them defensively when you need to lock down. Yeah. And that's kind of, in in a, in some ways, that's bore out in the playoffs. But if you know things break right, 
um, you face the right teams, you could end up with a surprise Western Conference berth, which is what happened. But you're not, you, you know, if that's your the ceiling of your team, then in especially after two years where you're trying to recapture that Western Conference Finals magic, it just might be time to move on, even with how shitty this season has been for everybody in terms of injuries and stuff like that. So, yeah, definitely. Any other Western teams you like to, uh, y- any other Western teams catching your eye? Right um, now? nothing really. I mean, uh, the Lakers are a weird one, but I mean, they're getting Anthony. It's weird. Cause they look really good sometimes. So they look really bad other times, mm-hmm. but like, again, I don't, I'm not judging them until AD's got his win back. Cause he's only playing 15, 20 minutes a game now. And then yeah. when LeBron comes back that I'm not judging them until that happens. Yes. Yeah, um, it, lo- it looks like they're going to lock into the fifth seed here, fifth or sixth. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's looking like. Yeah, so they're not going to – I would love for them to get the sixth seed and play the Clippers for round one. That'd be crazy. Um, that would be a crazy first round match. <laughs> yeah. Um, Pelicans are looking like they're on the outside looking in mathematically here. Pelicans are out, dude. It's yeah. it's time. It's time to take old Yeller out in the back. It's so weird to, to think, like, they're not going to make the playoffs or they're not even going to – make it to the play-in game because because 75% of the quarters they play like the best team in the NBA (laughs) again we I we bring it up as a joke but like dude they look so good when it works they look so good yeah well I see I'm thinking about it what is it when it works looks like because to me for the Pelicans, what it when it works, it's Zion going to the basket all the time, and it's Brandon Ingram filling in behind him as you know another high level offensive player. But then there's just nothing around that after. So it's like even I'm thinking about it and rewatching some games. Even when it goes good, I'm not so sure if it's like I'm not so sure if it's like organic enough or it's just as simple as Zion and Brandon Ingram just are good you know like I'm not sure about the rest of the team I think Bledsoe is not good at all like I would think no. we talked about it last week he is <laughs> no. not good at all Lon- Lonzo is back to struggling again from shooting the ball and he's been erratic defensively lately I know he's dealing with the hip thing but he is I think he's back down to like 30% this year in the month of April and shot 35% last month um Steven Adams is just clogging up everything uh, for Zion. Um, it, this roster is weird. And I think David Griffin is starting to become more and more overrated as a GM. He's like, yeah, look at me. I got all these picks. We're the thunder. And it's like, yeah, but you extended Steven Adams when you could have had some other centers for less than a third of that price that fit better. But it's time. I think it's time for us to, you know, take the Kings out back or the Pelicans out back and the Kings actually (laughs) and put them out of their misery because they are not making the play in tournaments, unfortunately. Yeah. So, um, real quickly before we go, um, what do you think about Steve Nash and the coaching job he's done? Cause I'm not going to lie. I've been impressed. So have I, to me, to me, it's really impressive when you have players or when you have, players going in and out of a lineup especially big yeah. and, star players, and you're able to write the ship yeah that that's what i'm saying like the big three is hardly played together at all and they are still winning games 
with, you know, Blake Griffin's producing, Landry Shamit's producing, Timothee Luwawo Cabarro will come in a few times and, you know, he'll play great minutes. Wish he had done that more consistently with the Sixers, but whatever. Um, (laughs) uh, I mean, Bruce Brown is... I don't even I don't even know if you can call it a position, but he's a guard center. He's basically the five in the Nets offense. He's rolling to the basket. He's setting screens, getting offensive tip-ins. Like the Nets have a bunch of ragtag players that play really well together. And um even whether it's with one of the stars or two of the stars, or in a lot of cases now, KD has been in and out of lineup. Ky- Kyrie's been the only one that's been consistently playing, and he takes two weeks sabbaticals. <laughs> um, yeah. And it, I've just been really impressed by Steve Nash. I thought I knew he was going to be a good coach someday, but like obviously with having a bunch of superstars, it was going to be hard for us to discern if he was a good coach or not, or we were probably going to have like the years long battle of how much credit we should give Steve Nash, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm not going to lie. I have been damn impressed with Steve Nash this year. Yeah. I honestly give him a lot of credit again, just because oh, yeah. it's hard to coach even, even, even when you have your roster isn't losing a ton of guys. And it's just when you're, when you're, we're not, yeah. If you're just losing rotational guys, right. We've seen how hard it is to just lose rotational guys. Yep. But Steve is losing stars. Mm-hmm. Like big name guys, <laughs> yeah, and star guys, and and figuring out a way to make it work. And the thing is that when you watch them, depending on who's out, they play very different styles of basketball. Yeah, they they it's have like yeah. it's not like it's cookie cutter. Like we run the same sets. Like no, they're running different stuff. Mm-hmm. They're running they're running uh, flare screens to get Joe Harris and Landry Shamit open uh, one night. Or they'll just run a bunch of pick and roll. The other, another night with like weird combinations like Bruce Brown and Tyler Johnson and Chioza or Nick Claxton. Like the the Nets, I I have been very impressed with the Nets this year. The fact that their big three has really hardly played at all, and they have been keeping pace with the Sixers all year for the number one seed. They have the number one seed right now. Um, it's it's just been a masterful job by Steve Nash and I'm pulling up the I'm pulling up the James Harden Durant Kyrie Irving lineup so I could see how much they've played together they have played 100 they have played 383 possessions together per cleaning the glass just 383 just think about how much basketball they have played this year and for their three best guys to play that little together that's crazy and they're still like this is why to me like I'm still really scared of Brooklyn I'm starting to get more scared of Milwaukee too but Brooklyn to me has always been the boogeyman in the east especially when uh, when the big three gets right by playoff time and uh I'm looking at it Harden's a weird one because Nash specifically brought up the point that they're back to square one with Harden's recovery and back to square one means dude that's like months yeah the hamstring injuries are no joke man yeah so to me i don't know where they're at with that that's terrifying and i don't know if he's gonna be ready to go so we are just gonna see the the west or the the uh durant Kyrie show here and they don't have the depth that they had before they traded for james so 
or maybe they do because they have been winning a bunch of games with that without him they guys are coming in and producing that haven't even heard of blake griffin's resurgence i think it is different though when you have a seven game series and like your team is able to focus this is this is where if they meet up in the playoffs this is where doc's gonna make his money this is where doc proves himself as a coach i hope to me (laughs) i hope so i'm I'm, again, we've talked before about how we both feel Doc is a little overrated, and like he, he like the other Celtics, have ran that 08 championship into the ground. Their fumes um, are just infested in their head right now. <laughs> like Doc has 08 tattooed on his back. Yeah, right? like you know they're just they're riding that to the bank. And that so, Paul Pierce IG party that was a I'm an 08 Celtics champion party. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, what are you guys doing right over there? Oh, uh, do we win an NBA championship? When? 2008, dude. <laughs> like, motherfucker, that was 13 years ago. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, the Nets are scary, man. Um, they they are they are probably still my favorite to come out of the East, begrudgingly. Um, I think the Sixers could beat them. I think I have seen some. It's it's frustrating because I haven't seen the Sixers play either the nets or the bucks with either team at full strength or close to full strength or basically when the big guns play and i just want to see how they match up because i think the bucks matchup is starting to become more fascinating to me and the nets the bucks just just lost a full strength well Giannis played but i don't know how full strength but they played with their full roster against the hawks and lost to the Hawks without trey young and deandre hunter yeah, so, that that was bad. But I've just, uh, I think what's been going on with the Bucks and much like the Nets, they have this regular season has been a science experiment for them. Um, I think the Bucks are. Uh, Kevin O'Connor had this tweet or this stat, but the Bucks have been experimenting with more switching this year, which it seems to me like Bud's like shit. I better figure some stuff out, or I'm gonna get fired this year. Um, the, the big X factor with the Bucks to me is Bud, because I think the Bucks roster is good enough to win the East. But the reason I'm, oh, I've am always been confident in a Bucks matchup is because I think Bud is a very shitty playoff coach, um, good regular season coach. But he seems to be trying stuff, and I really do think that bu- this Bucks team is better than last year's Bucks team because of Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is one of the most underrated players in the NBA. Um, I, he's... Obviously, it's a big upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. And now that the Bucks don't have aren't as deep on the bench, Bud will be more inclined to play his starters more than 32 minutes in a playoff game. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can't believe that still happened. But um, the Nets would still obviously they're still my odds. I think they're still my odds on favorite to come out of the East. Yeah, I still I still take the Nets. Um, but I think the Sixers are a dark horse here. I think Embiid being able to beat them up down low is still something mm. that they don't have an answer for. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I think I think the Bucks are far and away sort of below them. I think I think they are the, the clear third, and like I think there's a pretty sizable gap between the top two and the third place. Um, and yeah, I think the the West I think is uh all over the place. Obviously, the Lakers are healthy. I think that's where it, it comes out. But I think the injury to, the injury to Jamal Murray, uh, the way that the Suns have been playing lately, 
is a little concerning. Uh, I think the Clippers have been hot, but you know, I think that's a little iffy. I think the West is a little more iffy in terms of where teams are at, just due to health and sort of like where they've been playing recently. Yeah. And obviously, the Jazz are the Jazz, so I think they're going to lose in the first round to <laughs> Warriors. Um, <laughs> oh man, I, lo- I love that you're. I love that you're going for this upset. I hope you're right. I want it, I want it so bad. The <laughs> Communication that we will have over Jazz Twitter when we show them the Jazz Slander episode. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. And uh, I'm going to definitely be retweeting some old tweets about, uh, you know, how they're just <laughs> talking shit on Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and all. I Okay, one more thing before I go. Before I go. <clears throat> when a player set, I, I love it when fans get mad at a player for saying that they think they should win an award. When they were specifically asked, do you think you should win said award? Like, yeah. what the fuck else are they supposed to say? No, I suck. I don't think I deserve MVP. No, I suck. I don't think I deserve Defensive Player of the Year. Like, also, why are we so mad about trash talking all of a sudden? Like, it, it's I'm bizarre. Not. It's it's so it's so bizarre to me like jazz fans got offended because ben simmons was like uh, he was like i'm defensive player of the year um i definitely he's like i deserve it over rudy i scored 42 on rudy which is a fact he did by himself with no Embiid. and jazz fans just get in a tizzy about it it's like get get out of here again this goes back to the thing with the trailblazers fans of like dude you just got to be realistic and know the league (laughs) yeah what's going on here and like, you and again, it goes. This goes back to my thing about this is what this is why we got along in the first place, right? Where there's just there's people that are basketball fans that don't know actually know basketball. Yeah, and that's concerning. And it's and I will say people like us that do know basketball that look at it at a kind of a, I don't want to say deeper level because I don't want to sound pretentious, but there's there's the way that we look at basketball is very different and rare compared to how most people look at basketball. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's hard to find people to like talk to about this stuff that aren't going to get defensive, that aren't going to have real opinions that are backed mm-hmm. up by certain facts or certain feelings. Like, dude, there's and that's not to say that... I don't get defensive once in no, a while. Absolutely. Yeah, like, like we're there's... we're sports fans. We're nuts. We're insane. Yeah, but like <laughs> there's certain things where like, hey, I feel certain ways about players that I can't explain. I can't explain to you why I don't believe in Donovan Mitchell. I can't explain to you because every statistic and everything that I see from him, I'm like, yeah, okay, these are good numbers and these are solid, but I can't explain to you why I don't like Donovan Mitchell or why I don't believe in him. I just have a feeling. And you know what's funny? Most of the time I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we'll see. We'll see about, we'll see about Mitchell this year. Cause I think he has been fantastic and He's he proved better. in the playoffs that he could score with the best of them. I think, uh, I think the Jazz just got a uh, unlucky there in that seven round series <laughs> in terms of they by unlucky I mean they absolutely choked and blew a three one lead. <laughs> yes, um, but yeah, like you know, not I'm not saying everything you, you feel or think has to be back to in fact, but there's certain opinions where I'm like you don't even know basketball. Yeah, um, like I said, you could tell when people don't watch the game. That's why I don't even like the, you don't watch the game thing. Cause it's like, you could tell, but now it's a defense mechanism now for people yeah. when, uh, when uh, their favorite player or when someone has a take about their favorite player that they don't like, which is hilarious, but yeah. Well, that was, that came down to the thing that was funny about like 
now we're getting a different talk, but this is the funny thing about when I was when I would argue with people about Laker Young, the Laker Young core, right? Mm-hmm. And it was something like Kuzma's better than Lonzo Ball, and I was like, why? What does Kuzma do better than Lonzo? And he and the argument against Lonzo was Lonzo can't shoot. And I was like, okay, did you know that Lonzo has a better shooting percentage than Kyle Kuzma? Kyle Kuzma just shoots more and scores more. So do you think that because he puts up more points per game that he's better than Lonzo Ball? And he goes, well, I just like the mindset, the attack mindset. I was like, cool. Kuzma also plays the ball less in his hands and turns the ball over more. What... Like where where is your justification here that Lonzo Ball is not as good as or Kyle Kuzma is better than Lonzo Ball? And like it was the kind of thing where it's like having those discussions with Laker fans where it's like, well, you don't watch the games, you don't know. Well, it's like, okay, you, huh? <laughs> like, and it's like, well, you're just bringing up numbers and stats that like you don't you basketball isn't played with numbers and stats. I was like, yeah, I can't. Okay. Like, like, I don't know short how to argue. It's short circuit. I don't know how to how to have this discussion with you anymore because clearly you aren't willing to listen to any opinion that goes against your own. And, yep. and this again, this goes back to the thing we we're talking about with Jazz fans and Blazers fans. Like, dude, just just understand, understand what we're saying. We're not saying you have to agree, but these are our thoughts. And like, and yes, honestly, we have watched thoughts. Jazz games. <laughs> Yeah, we've watched jazz games. I've watched a lot of Blazers games because I love watching Dame fucking kill people. Yep. Yep. Dude, Dame Dame has some like Steph has them too, but Dame has like the Dame has like the the dagger in the heart like I'm gonna stare at you after after I hit this kind of shot. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's like he has the he has like the I grew up in Oakland attitude where it's fucking yeah, crazy. Yeah, I love that. I that's what I love about Dame. I love that about Steph too. He's just low key, low key. He's very cocky. First of all, yeah. you have to be cocky to take the fucking shots he takes. But then he'll shimmy on you. He'll uh, look at you. He will even say you can't guard me like he did the other night. Like, yeah, dude. The best. The best was. Did you watch Drew Holiday on a? Uh... On JJ Ray podcast, yeah, he was he was marveling over Steph. He's just like, I don't, yeah. I don't my understand favorite, it. My favorite line that he has in there, he says something like, "And the worst part is, Steph's putting this ideas in kids' heads. Like, kids think it's okay to take these shots." And he's like, "No, he, no. You, it's not okay. <laughs> no, it's not okay to take these shots. He's one of one, the greatest. Yeah, he, by far him. the greatest it's shooter. Not, it's not you. And again, this goes back to the thing that we brought up when the draft was coming up." with like Anthony Edwards and LaMelo and all these things of like these kids have grown up watching Steph. They think that these shots are okay. It's not. Yeah. Unless, uh, you know, you make them at like a 38% clip. I think 38 is the threshold for that shot to be, you know, viable. Um, but you know, it is, I definitely agree with Drew there. Like do not try this at home children. <laughs> yes, please. All right. Well, I think that's it. Do you have anything else you want to talk about today? I do not. No. Awesome. All right, guys. Have any any takes left? Thank you guys for sticking with us and hanging out. Uh, We have, God, we have less than two weeks. I think two or three weeks left. March eighteenth or May eighteenth. The play-in games. So yeah. So we have about we have about three weeks left. 
uh, in this regular season. So we have a lot more to cover and a lot more to think about. But overall, um, coming down to down to the, the stretch run here, the regular season, and then we get into some real spice. And so um, thank you guys for watching and listening. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Jazz fans suck the B.O.B. <laughs> Thank you.